I love this time of year, but it can be a bit of a strain. Lots of work to finish up, end of year gatherings to prep for, school events. My kids have been quite emotional lately, uh, melting down over things like whether there are any bananas left or the necessity for shoes. And I have too, I realised. I'm irrational and cranky and prone to tears if things don't go my way. Am I even an adult? A highly personal question that's actually very relevant to the way that we handle stress as adults with complex lives and responsibilities and perhaps dependence. So today we're going to look at why we revert to toddler status in times of stress and how we can keep it together better. Tigist Kabidi is a counsellor based in Nam, Melbourne, who specialises in end-of-year burnout, among other things. Tigist, welcome to Life Matters. Hello, thank you for having me. That's a really interesting specialisation, end-of-year burnout. Tell us what's going on for some of us emotionally and physically at this time of year. Well, when we think of this time of the year, we're thinking of it's quite of a reflective period and it's kind of coming down to a wrap-up. And by this time, by December, people are feeling quite exhausted they're needing a break. They're probably long overdue for one. And even taking a break in itself is exhausting, getting everything prepared. You've got you know, children, if you're taking care of others, making sure that they're okay as well, wrapping up with work and making sure that you go to all your end-of-year parties and finish off all your work before you go on leave is also a lot of work as well. So there is a lot of uh, additional labor that we need to do, even to just get ourselves ready for the end of the year. So not surprised that a lot of people can sometimes feel like it's a little bit too much. Yeah, a friend of mine says she came to think of holidays as just parenting in unfamiliar circumstances. It was <laughs> more stressful perhaps than being at home sometimes. Is this year, though, a particularly tough one for Australians, Tigist? Definitely. Looking back, it's been a, a, a quite a tough financial year for a lot of us with inc- uh, increases in prices, budget restraints, job loss, and a huge amount of change in the workforce. So this is you know, our second or third year after COVID and people are still, uh, you know, moving around in terms of the home um, and hybrid kind of working environments. We are creatures of habit and there's been so much change happening to us in the last two to three years that, you know, sometimes our feelings of safety, security and consistency can get challenged. And on on top of that, we've got kind of a turbulent socio-political environment that we've had this year, both, you know, locally and internationally. So, there's a lot of collective grief, a lot of collective exhaustion and, you know, community burnout going on. So coming to the end of the year, I think a lot of people don't have anything really left in them um, and they're feeling it a little bit more. Well, yeah, burnout is one of those words that can mean different things to different people. Is what we're feeling burnout or just stress at this point? Well, I think there's a, there's a, there's a difference between burnout and stress. So stress is a very common Thing within life and it helps us kind of move through when we get to the point of burnout is when most often noticed in the the context of the work environment uh it is when our, we have chronic levels of stress and we kind of notice that like the world health organization knows notices it in the three domains of feeling kind of um exhausted so that physical exhaustion um not feeling productive so our you know working twice as hard to get half as far. Um, and the third one is cynicism. So those kind of those thoughts that maybe are not too helpful or those doom and gloom thoughts that we're having. So when we notice that we're having all three of these kind of main domains, that is when we're noticing a, a period of burnout for people. And it is related to stress, but it's the chronic version of that. 
We're speaking with Tigist Kibidi, who's a counsellor based in Melbourne who specialises in these these issues of uh, really coming to the end of our tether at the end of the year. So, Tigist, how much need for support are you seeing from clients at this point? How is this stress presenting in their lives? I think people are noticing that they're acting out of character. So you mentioned earlier whether it's the temper tantrum that they're having or maybe they're withdrawing more so than they normally would. So um, a lot of the time in the clinical setting, we're talking about how can we prepare ourselves to prepare for a break and to prepare for our tiredness? Um, Because even though it's the end of the year, there are a lot of obligations that a lot of us have. There are family commitments, social commitments, um, shopping commitments, if you're interested in doing some shopping at the end of the year. Um, So really planning around how to take care of your emotional and, you know, Uh, physical, social well-being, meanwhile still being able to complete the tasks that you want to. So it requires some planning ahead in order to be able to take the necessary time off. Well, I love how you talk about being irrational and, and emotional because that, you know, getting cranky about wearing shoes is right throughout my family from the biggest to the <laughs> smallest ones. And I guess, you know, that has uh, effects on our relationships, doesn't it, if we're unable to deal with our emotions at home? Definitely. And what we can notice is that um, when people, because like I said earlier, stress is a very common part of our life. But when our stress is too much, we can either find ourselves lashing out to the people around us, withdrawing from those people around us, and maybe not acting in ways that are quite common in terms of our personality or our temperament. And that can create a bit of a strain on already strainful time of the year when we have higher um, expectations of us during the holidays. So I think, you know, that being said, maybe being really thoughtful about what your capacity is and being considerate around, you know, your family members and your friends about what you can actually do so we don't take it out on them. Yes, indeed. Uh, what is going for on for us physiologically, Tigist, when we're feeling these emotions? Because it's happening in our body too, isn't it? Definitely. So, you know, in the counselling setting, I also talk about the polyvagal theory and this understanding of something called like a window of tolerance. And if you can imagine it as people sitting within a comfort zone and within that comfort zone, you can deal with X amount of stress. And when you go beyond your comfort zone, so sometimes depending on where you are in life, that comfort zone is really big and wide and you can handle a lot of stress. And sometimes that's quite small. At the end of the year, that's quite small for a lot of people. So when you go out of your comfort zone and you kind of tip over the edge, you can either go into hyperarousal or hypoarousal. So hyperarousal is when your body goes into kind of the activated mode and we can get quite hot, flushed, snappy, angry. Whereas hypoarousal is when our body starts to shut down. So you notice someone withdrawing, someone uh, maybe being a little bit more lethargic, um, someone being a little bit more quieter, feeling a little bit more down and sad. So, you know, people have different responses to stress. And I think the best way to respond to yourself or to a, a child, if you're taking care of someone, a friend or a family member, is when you are noticing someone that's kind of in those uh, uh, tipped over stress states, that hyper or hypo arousal, to kind of support them to kind of get back into their comfort zone and to hold their hand very, you know, gracefully, but also with a lot of care and empathy for yourself as well, if you're noticing that for yourself. So if you're feeling that you're really hyperactivated, what can you do to soothe yourself and cool yourself down? And if you're feeling very low and deactivated, 
what can you do to bring yourself up a little bit and get back into your comfort zone? And we'll touch on some of those strategies in a moment. I love that there's your hypo arousal, that that almost freeze response where you just shut down and Mm. hyper arousal, which is more that fight or flight energy feeling. Because yes, I've experienced both of those under times of stress. We're speaking with Tigist Kabidi, who's a counsellor who specialises in these issues of people just really reaching the end of their tolerance. Their tolerance window narrows and narrows at the end of the year. With us too is Dr. Alan Ralph, who's an associate professor of clinical psychology at the University of Queensland, who specialises in child development, because I'm fascinated by these parallels between toddler behaviour and our (laughs) behaviour under stress. Alan, welcome. Hi. What do you see, what parallels do you see at this time of year when it comes to uh, parental coping skills and child coping skills? Well, they're very similar to what Tiggis has been talking about. Um, Children, of course, learn skills as they grow and young children have very limited capacity to emotionally self-regulate or to move away from uh, threats but as they get older you know they learn those skills and they, more resources become available to them and as and as Tigist has already said um, those resources can be exhausted uh, if the environment becomes too stressful. I'm interested in that that lizard brain that toddlers have for so long. Mm. How do they uh, develop those skills of, of uh, managing their own stress and emotions? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a number of issues here because, I mean, if it's a matter of the child being hurt, then clearly a, a, an automatic response of crying and seeking help is important and is, and is appropriate. But if it's a matter of having their needs um, not met in terms of, you know, getting a new toy or something like that, then the, re- the reaction looks very similar. But it's actually quite different because what we've got here is a kind of reversal to um, what what is an earlier brain brain component, which really was kind of emerged for us in our evolution to create a situation where where we were able to survive. And it's a very powerful um, emotional response. And you can activate it very, very quickly. And that's kind of what we see happening in in many of the situations where children go into meltdown. How similar are adults to that uh, state, (laughs) Alan, when when we are under stress? Well... (laughs) Yes, well, I mean, it, it's a matter, again, of resourcing. Um, as Tigus has already mentioned, we have a limited capacity, and if that capacity is, is exceeded, then we kind of revert to um, strategies that have worked in the past, and those are often associated with that survival mechanism where the uh, your heart rate increases, the adrenaline goes through your body, you start to sweat, you breathe, your breathing slows down, uh, sorry, speeds up, and um, it's it's that kind of ready for f- fight or flight mechanism that uh, that is uh, regarding uh, any potential threat, and it doesn't have to be a physical threat. It can be an emotional threat or a psychological threat, like get out of my kitchen. I'm I'm trying to do this. Why are you getting in the way? So it can be a whole range of things that can trigger that. And if you're not if you're not well aligned to recognise those early symptoms, which happen very rapidly, it's very easy then to go into that. Um, threat mode and uh, overreact and the, the rational side of our brain just gets totally overwhelmed we're not able to access it until we calm down again and alan are some of us at more at risk of that or more vulnerable to to slotting into that state suddenly yes i think they are i mean clearly there are genetic differences uh, that we inherit from our parents and there are also socialization issues as well i mean it depends on how we're brought up by our parents they they are our primary socializing agents and of course the schools contribute to that as well but if we've missed out on that for some reason 
um, you know, poor parenting, dysfunctional families, and not access to good schooling or good health, then those resources are not developed and we don't have those socialization skills. And so there's a much thinner veneer of appropriateness which can be um, breached um, when what would happen to another person would be would be minimally important. But for children in this situation, um, they, they react much more rapidly. So I guess the million-dollar question, Dr. Alan Ralph, is are there lessons we can learn from soothing a toddler that we can then apply to ourselves as we parent our inner child? Yes, there are. I mean, I think that the soothing is, is something that should happen in terms of reassurance and, uh, in case a child is hurt. But we don't want to be soothing them if they're just having a meltdown because they need to learn to do that themselves. And if we do it for them, they don't, they don't learn those skills very well. And it's the same for us. We need to develop skills to recognise those early warning signs uh, that um, are kind of triggering the kind of behaviour that we're trying to, to uh, avoid. And, of course, if you've got a, a supportive partner or friends or relations, you can access, you can help them to access it by you know, getting them to look out for the warning signs and finding some subtle and non-aggressive way of signalling to you that maybe you need to pull back as where, you, where you're getting to at the moment. How effective is it to kind of talk sense to yourself, Alan, as opposed to other strategies? Yeah, it, it, it's a tricky one, that, because the, the rational side of our brain tends to get disengaged or overwhelmed by the, the more, you know, the more survival mode. And so the, the best thing really is to find some space to calm down because it's it's a very natural process. If if once the threat has been removed or seen to be not real, then the normal mechanisms kick in, and all of those uh, physiological functions slow down. Your heart rate goes back to normal. Your the adrenaline stops pumping through your veins. The, your breathing starts to uh, slow down again, and so you need to create a space where those things can happen. Talking to it is not all that helpful in that stage. It it comes as a secondary, once you've started to calm down emotionally, then you can access those rational problem-solving scenes. Look, I can do this. I've done this before. You know, I, I do have the skills. I've been able to manage this in the past and I can manage it again. So those cognitive elements can be brought in supplementarily. But the first thing really is to find a calm, quiet space to allow those natural calming processes to take over. And that might mean going outside, going to have a cup of tea, um, playing some music just just a few minutes is all you need to in order to allow that process to take place this is very illuminating i have to say and the text uh, bounces off this more books both my children are struggling with the end of year exhaustion so we're trying to take more time reading and resting together and that is a space that's a separate lovely space where mm. people can calm down we're speaking with dr alan ralph who's associate professor of clinical psychology at the university of queensland he specializes in child development and tigas kabedi who's a counsellor who specialises in end-of-year burnout. And boy, howdy, are those two things colliding for some people at the moment. Tigas, we talked before about hypo-arousal when we kind of shut down a bit and hyper-arousal when we're over-stimulated. Let's look at some strategies for dealing with those. If we're in hypo-arousal, we're down, how can we regulate ourselves to a a better state? Talk about how um, young people or young children are often kind of withdrawing what we would often do is we try to get them to come out of their shell we might kind of engage with them socially or trying to do activities that they they enjoy so treating ourselves in the same way is you know if you're feeling that you're in a hypo if you're withdrawing more so out of your character 
then I would be encouraging you to do activities that kind of bring up your heart rate, that get you up and moving. It might be doing a physical activity. It might be doing a social activity. It might be doing something like just, you know, uh, something that you love, uh, a particular kind of creative task, but something that keeps you moving, keeps you activated, um, so it can pull you out of that freeze, that shutdown mode. So that kind of is what helps us get out of that kind of lethargy, that that your body kind of going into the shutdown. We're speaking with Tigist Kibeti, who's a counsellor specialising in end-of-year burnout. Tigist, if we're hyper-aroused, how can we calm down and get the right kind of rest? So if we're hyper-aroused, that means that our body is very activated, our heart's racing, we are quite flushed. Um, and what would often say is that we'd have to try and cool you down a little bit. So what are things that can bring your heart rate down, that can bring your temperature down, um, that can kind of bring you back into your comfort zone? So it can be something simple like taking a shower, if you're feeling quite, quite you know, flushed and you're needing a bit of space. Um, for, other, for other people, it could be doing activities that um, maybe – uh, withdrawing from, you know, some social events or something like that. Um, so things that kind of bring you um, away from overstimulating yourself. Um, for others, it could be body-based activities like doing something like yoga, going for a walk. That is still movement, but it's less um, active. Um, so when you're thinking of bringing yourself down, we're thinking of how can we um, bring our heart rate down? How can we bring our anxiety down so we can come back um, into a bit more of our comfort zone in terms of stress. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing a, a theme emerge of listening to your body and listening to your emotions and giving yourself that space to reset, cutting yourself some slack at this time of year. Tiggis, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. It's a Have pleasure. a Merry Christmas. You too. Bye-bye. Tigis Kabidi is a counsellor whose uh, lifeblood is helping people deal with this end of year stressful times. And you heard too from Dr. Alan Ralph, who's an associate professor of clinical psychology at the University of Queensland. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.